for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, what's going on? What isn't going on? Oh my gosh, you're, uh, I, I'm afraid that for you, your head not exploding over there with your, with your job and all the different sports stuff, sports balls going on. You all right? Yep, busy week. Yeah. Busy month, busy, yeah. Well, hell, at least the jacks are off. That kind of helps a little bit for two weeks. Sorry, so what did you say? The jacks are the off? The jacks are off. Oh, okay, okay. Just Football have to say that a little to say that a little slower. I thought you were saying it. I know. Hey, uh, we have a special guest today. The one, the only, the return is here. She made everybody wait way too long, which is how the pros do it. It's Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, John. She's kind of here hanging out, but she's kind of doing work too, I which am is kind of. so it's so 2022. Thank you. Just sitting here doing work on her phone. What you doing? I am on a computer. Thank you very much. You are. Oh, that's. Oh, I didn't see it. Okay, I didn't see it over my computer. It's very, it's very inane and boring. Hold it. Um, hold the microphone a little closer sorry, to you. There sorry, you go. That's it's okay. So long, I forgot. Tell uh, b before we get rolling. Tell what happened with your uh, with your. Twitter that your tweet oh, that got some traction right yeah so the only thing I have to contribute sports wise is that on Sunday I tweeted right after the Vikings um when the game went into overtime I said I've asked at least 14 times before but just a few minutes ago was the most enthusiastically Matt has ever explained how NFL overtime works and it just he retweeted it it got really popular this is like the most popular I will ever Jen's be on social media getting 10 likes on Twitter I know I got like 10 likes on Twitter I did like seven people follow yeah. me it's kind of nice though I like being anonymous oh isn't it just so intoxicating isn't it's it like, so addictive it's not that addictive it's oh. like fun every once in a while and then I get to put it away it's the second most cool thing I've ever tweeted. I think the first one being um, the time I got that picture of the Montana fan flipping off the uh, jacks. That was awesome. Walking I off the that. field. Yeah. yeah, I found that in my, uh, like, in the, like, I didn't even realize I caught that photo until after the fact. And, um, yeah, so I was pretty popular. I think that their athletic department, like, follows me now on Twitter. Um, they're probably really disappointed in the content, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> they're just keeping tabs They're on keeping you. an eye on yeah. you. They're like, if this girl's talking about the Sephora sale again, I swear to God we're going to follow. <laughs> I also liked your tweet about uh, your son Arthur when you and Matt took him to the Vikings game about all the how cool was the swag. swag yeah how cool was that yeah that was an impulse purchase um, I signed him up for something called like the kids club or something like that for like thirty dollars uh, I got this backpack full of stuff that entertained him and he got like a little that little pop it thinger whatever they're called there was a there was a really nice blanket in there it's actually a nice blanket okay um, I might steal it from him do you have um, to be a kid to get one. Uh, I, I think you do. Yes. I think you do. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. All and right. um, apparently something's coming to our house in the mail on his birthday. We already told Matt, listen, there's going to be something coming in the mail in June. It's not for you, even though it says Vikings on it. It's not for you. Don't steal it. It's Arthur's. He's the Vikings Kids Club member. Uh, by the way, so Gilbert and I are going to uh, the Vikings-Cowboys game. It's our first Vikings game in six years since the last time the Cowboys I were there. I texted him to ask him what he's wearing. Yeah, and, uh, well, he better damn wear my... <laughs> 
the Gilbert jersey that I got him for Christmas. How many thousands of dollars did that cost? Uh, I'd rather not say. Is it bedazzled? It, it might be embarrassing on the other, you know, the other way it might be embarrassing. So I'm not going to say. Uh, but he never listens to the podcast anyway. It's not bedazzled. It should be. Shout out, Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's no point. He's not listening. Any advice? Any advice? You know, I don't know much if much has changed in the last six years of going to Vikings games. But uh, this is know, my first one, too. Anything that we should be ready for, the experience. Okay, so they do have this thing where you can get your kid registered and give them a wristband in case they get lost. And maybe if you are worried about losing Gilbert, you can get him one of those. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like if he could see something shiny and he wanders off. Yes, um, no, it will It will be someone shiny. That's what will happen. <laughs> someone shiny will see him. And then, uh, yeah, you'll never know what happens to him. As a fellow again. human who gets distracted easily, I yeah, can relate. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you for that. And you could, you know, get... Come and go with as you please with a the microphone there. Don't uh, I'm get back you know. to this really interesting contract. Okay, okay, have I'll fun. Be here. I'll be here. All right, how's it going, Matt? It's going okay. What do you, we didn't we didn't do our we well we usually don't have a pre-show meeting, but some because usually it's it's pretty obvious what we're going to talk about. But there there there's some options here. So I mean, USF football coaching search firing weird thing um, Jackrabbit football. I mean that's kind of I mean they clinched it, but it was a boring game. I'm sure. Um, well, oh, the Vikings, like, you know, one of the best Vikings games ever. I mean, do you want to start there, or what do you want to do? I don't know, John. It's your show. This is terrible podcast radio. Well, yeah. that's fine. Well, that's fine. Okay, well, it was um, it was abnormally uh, – I you're not one for hyperbole. So your tweet and her tweet re- referring to you watching this Vikings game. Uh-huh. And, and, and you can speak into the microphone. <laughs> you have – such a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. How was that for you? It was. I, I started. This She's exaggerating. I don't care that much about the Vikings. I really don't. Oh. I was. Uh, I honestly. <laughs> no, really. I was just more enjoying what a good game it was. It was true. When the Bills sent it to overtime, I didn't give a shit. Like yeah. you know, it's kind of like, oh, they blew it. Like no, they didn't. Like this is amazing. This is yeah. fun. You know, we're getting a few more minutes of the best game I've ever seen. And plus, it was a losable game for the Vikings. Like, yeah. House money. I, I am somewhat invested. I shouldn't say I don't care. They're my favorite team, and I like watching NFL football. Yeah. I just, at my age and all the times I've watched the Vikings burn me, I just don't really allow myself to get emotionally invested anymore. It's yeah. more like a intellectually invested. Like it's I enjoy called watching. being a Minnesota fan. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but so they, they have this, like, I have this group chat with a few of my friends every Vikings Sunday, and, like, three times during that game we all were like, Eh, we lost, but you know, Bills are a good team. It's on the road. You know, we thought they were going to get their ass kicked. Right. They actually played them tough. Like this is a good loss. You know, like th- th- hey, they showed us today that they might be for real. They can play with these guys. And then all of a sudden, th- they're like, you know, they get the big play, the fourth and eighteen conversion. They go down. They got the ball at the one yard line. You're like, geez, this isn't over yet. And they were down twenty-seven ten going to the yeah. fourth, I believe. They're going to get their so ass kicked. So then they don't get it on fourth down, and they're like, ah, oh, that was close. Well, Still, who cares? They got close, you know, whatever. Then the Bills fumble on their own one-yard line, and the Vikings score, and it's like, oh, my God, did we win this game? Like, and we. We were saying we. Uh, That's I how, see, you know, a little more yeah. invested than you say you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it just had this sort of like, this is crazy. This is amazing yeah. sort of thing. And it was like, oh, wait, we left Josh – Josh Allen, 45 yeah. seconds, and all he needs is a field goal. And, and the Vikings have one of the worst pass defenses in yeah, the NFL. Yeah, and he goes down and gets the field goal. And, and I, like I said, I was not disappointed at all because I was like, we're playing with house money here, you yeah. know? They weren't even supposed to be here. Yeah. And then when they won the game, it was like, holy shit, they're 8-1, and one, and they just beat the team that 
a lot of people think is the best team in the NFL. Right. I don't think so anymore, now that they've lost two in a row. Maybe the Bills aren't quite as good as we thought. But that's a leaving aside the amazing, just what an amazing game it was, that's a big win for it's the Vikings. It's as big of a win as, he, as it gets in the NFL in 2022. You're yeah. on the road at Buffalo. By the way, back-to-back weeks. Uh, they East, were like East 175 and 0 all time when they yeah. had a 14-point lead in the second mm. half, something like that. You know, I mean, Yeah, it was an East Coast trip. That's supposedly one of the most hostile environments in the NFL. I mean, going back-to-back on the road anywhere, but let alone going back-to-back out of your division, like a big, long trip, that's a thing. And uh, and, and so is playing in, in Buffalo and by the way, I mean the the Washington win doesn't seem so tiny either. Yes, like yeah. they're five and five, and they beat the Eagles, Just and beat the Eagles, yeah. and of course that downgrades the Eagles a little bit. You, somebody had a good tweet last night after the Eagles game. Like they, I mean the Eagles schedule is you know charm and soft, and they you know they beat the Steelers as one of the worst teams. It, it went through all the shitty quarterbacks they had to be like but they beat the Vikings. And, and then you think. You can make that case for any NFL team that has a good record. The NFL just isn't that great this year. Not to right. say it isn't good or it isn't a fun watch or there aren't good teams. There just isn't a lot of, like, stout juggernauts out there. And But the Bills were supposed to be one of them, and the Vikings beat them. Yeah. So it was uh, it was terrific. So uh, there was no teeth gnashing. I actually was going to I, – I had a, a tweet ready. <laughs> a tweet ready, right? And it, it was I'm, – I, I'm not one to be – and, you know, just for the record, I'm not – I'm not a hardcore Minnesota Vikings fan. They're like my secondary team. They're my NFC team. The Chiefs are my team. And I'm not even like full bore, you know, crazy Chiefs like the people that come here to the gateway. You started pretending when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. I yeah, did I not. Pre- no, I was watching every <laughs> fucking week for my adult life. Bef- because it's about the football. Like, which is it? I did see him up close uh, once, and he's, he's, he's cuter yeah, than he looks on TV. Yeah, yeah. No, but I was he's he he's kidding or he I was I just like to keep I, fucking with you. Yeah, like I that, know. Yeah. Watching the Chiefs every fucking week of my life. Well, you just, became much more vocal about it after Mahomes. Did I really? Remember that time you poured that beer so bad too when we were here watching the game with you? Remember that pour? Do you remember how What does that have to do with anything? I just thought of it. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, I don't either. I have a picture I can tweet it if anyone wants to see it. Oh, okay, fine. I'm a bad pour. I, well, that's why I was at this beer class this morning at Augustana. <laughs> and I'm doing a TV story on Dakota News Now tomorrow. Um, nice plug. Th- yeah, dakotanewsnow.com. Find it on my Twitter, at John Gaskins 981 He's at Argus Matt Z. Anyway, I was about to fire up a tweet that said, uh, I hate to be moral victory guy, but, and, you know, yeah, I was going to yeah, finish yeah. out the sentence, like, everything you, you, you were just saying. Just like, like come on, this was... This was a house money type of game, and uh, they played well enough to win. You could make the case it came down to a fucking extra point because Greg no. Joseph missed that at, at some point in the fourth quarter. They wouldn't have not had to even go to overtime and sweat that out. Although, if they if if Greg Joseph would have made his extra point and made it a three point game earlier, chances are you're on the road. You're just playing for a tie because you yeah. could do that. They're probably going to play for the tie and probably make the field goal. And it's going to be overtime anyway. But I was about, I was in the midst of tweeting that when I was looking down at my fucking phone. I'm here at the gateway. It's packed. Everybody's watching. The whole country's watching the game at this point. And the place goes berserk. And I look up. Look up in the phone. Oh, my fucking God. Are you kidding me? Uh, Like, how often? And then I, I thought it was a good tweet myself. It's fitting that, and I thought at this point that perhaps the Vikings had sewn it up, realizing completely that it is Josh Allen and they could go down the field. But uh, how fitting is it that a pair of teams that are 0-4 in the Super Bowl, which means their fan bases are eternally cursed, that a game comes down to not one, but two failed quarterback sneaks. Like, supposedly the easiest play in in football, 
and it was back-to-back fails on that same goal line within like 10 seconds of each other. Not to mention that before all of that, uh, was that, I mean, that Justin Jefferson catch? Uh, c- considering the stakes, this wasn't the Super Bowl, but it was fourth and 19, big road game in the NFL in the fourth quarter. You absolutely need to convert to have a chance to win. Considering the stakes, I haven't seen too many more amazing catches. Is that too I, I tried to log it through. And I made sure not to tweet because I'm like, I'm not going to jump the gun and be that guy. And then I saw other people. People like, are calling the greatest catch of all time. Sure. I mean, I still think Odell Beckham's was better. Yeah, that's the um, first one I always race yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm sure there's other ones. It was amazing, though. It was yeah. amazing. And then the game and the at fourth and eight, the fact that it was on fourth and 18. That's. And then the game itself, um, you know, you know, I, I don't want to rush to any judgment. It's it's it was it was hard to beat, but you, we can become prisoners of the moment. But, you know, you don't tweet stuff like this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life unless it really unless you really mean it and unless you've given it a little bit of thought. And then Patrick Royce, who's 77 years old, has been covering the mm-hmm. Vikings since day one, 1960. Uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune writer, who's an incredible Twitter follow, funny columnist. That's what he said. He said, this is it. This is, this is, it. This is the regular season. This is the best regular season Vikings game I've ever seen. So that's cool. And But now what? Now, I mean, is it still – I'm sure by now people shouldn't be thinking it's smoke and mirrors. I'm sure plenty of Vikings right. fans are setting themselves up for, uh, yeah. you know, preparing themselves for the ultimate uh, heartbreak at some point. But uh, it definitely makes a case that, yeah. like, they're somewhat for real in 2022 NFL. There's a lot of season left. I mean, the Packers won a big game last week, so you can't quite count them out yet. But even if the Packers do right the ship, it's going to be hard for them to catch up when they're already five games back or whatever it is, four games back. Um, so they're going to be going to the playoffs. You know, a lot of it comes down to luck as far as injuries, staying healthy. You know, all it takes is Kirk Cousins or someone else important going down, and then the whole thing changes. You know, but, but yeah, I went from thinking, oh, we're the worst one-loss team in the NFL to, hey, wow, you know, maybe they're for real. Yeah. That's, and, that's fun. And now they get the Cowboys. I mean, talk about a fun game. That'll probably be the Dallas big. is a two-point favorite. I don't understand I that don't at either. all. I don't either. Yeah. They, I mean, you talk about smoke and mirrors. I mean, yeah. And, and, and they on were, the road? Like, what? Second week in a row. It's the second week in a row they're on the road at an yeah, NFC North Yeah, but the Packers team. had a three and six record going into that game. That makes sense. Yeah. And the Vikings are eight and one. Yeah, I not sure what's going on there. there. It must be one of those fancy. Not Vegas that I care. I just that's weird. Well, it must yeah. be one of those fancy Vegas things that some of us can't comprehend. That that just that they're trying to set a number that a lot of people will slide over to. It's there's more into it than just that. The smartest people in sports consider the Cowboys two points better, especially on the road in Minneapolis, right. uh, where normally in the NFL you give a team three points. So what they're really saying is they think the Cowboys are five points better than the Vikings, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. So uh, because when you talk about a team that's, again, smoke and mirrors, they, uh, like everybody else in the NFL, a lot of their wins have been whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, I mean, they – I know Lambo's a tough place to play, but the Packers were a house of cards. They had already It looked like they had already spit the bit out for yeah, the season, yeah. and all of a sudden you let them score 17 in a row. So uh, I would think that this is going to be kind of like when the 09 Cowboys came into the old Metrodome. I was at that Vikings-Cowboys game. So was Gilbert, and it was just – it was Wade Phillips. It was the Cowboys – and they were uh, Tony Romo, and they were just not ready. They were not ready for the noise. There were a lot of false starts, and they just they just fell to pieces in that game. And that was the now 
Here, that was the playoffs, right? Fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was the playoffs. That was the 9 Vikings. Like 34 to 3 or something, wasn't it? I'm trying to think if that was the last home playoff win the Vikings have had. I think it is because I, I think they've only had one other home playoff game since then, and it was the, the Blair Walsh game. I don't know if the, I don't think they've oh, had yeah, a, outdoors. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've had another play. I don't, I don't think know. I don't know if they've had a playoff game in the in the new place yet at home because they haven't made the playoffs too often. It, it's every other year and they usually go on the road. Anyway, uh, by the way, that was the 09 Vikings, and, I, and so as I was saying, I was thinking to myself, okay, well that was the 09 Vikings, but <laughs> hey, this is the this is the third eight and one team I believe in Vikings history, and the other two were 98 and 09. Yep, they yep. made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, so. Maybe there is something special. All right. No, you're rolling your eyes. I'm just not getting that cart before the horse. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, well, what's what's what is there about Jackrabbit football that you want to that you want to lean into here after a 31-7 win over Illinois State? Outright champs. Is that their first outright championship? Yes, in the okay. Valley. In the uh, Valley. Yeah. They haven't won one. They won the, the last time they won an outright championship was 1963. Yeah. They never um, won a. They that never was the first year that John was the coach, right? Hey, oh. Jeez, I'm going to tell Stig my <laughs> wife's making fun of him. Oh, well, she's not just a pretty on Twitter. Whoops, <laughs> sorry. Um, I just think they deserve a lot of credit for getting it done. Um, you know, we've said multiple times on this podcast that, hey, you don't have to go undefeated. You don't have to run the table, but you can't, you know. You can't lose those games to the mediocre teams or whatever. Uh, they ran the table. They did the whole thing. You know, I mean, obviously, if they'd have beat Iowa, that would have really been something, but it doesn't really mean that much in the long run. Um, they almost beat the Hawkeyes, who were going to be a bowl team. You know, obviously, that was a weird game, whatever. But, you know, they barely beat Davis the next week. They didn't look great beating Butler. I mean, early in the year, people were kind of going, geez, yeah. you know, this offense. Yep. and they miss Jason Eck, and Gronowski's not healthy, and Lujan can't call plays, and this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. They just found a way week after week to get it done, and then they clearly hit their stride right around the time they had all those old NCC rematches. They blew out USD. They come back against North Dakota State. They come back against North Dakota. Um, yeah, they barely hung on to beat Northern Iowa, but so what, man? You know, yeah. you get to that stage in the season and other teams are fighting for their playoff lives and you're trying to complete an undefeated regular season in the best conference in FCS football. I, I just, you know, you can't say enough about them getting that done. That's the one thing we've kept saying that they haven't been able to do. And, you know, Mark Gronowski and, and Stig and a few other people have kind of clapped back at the media a little bit for, for talking about their tendency to always drop a big game. Well, you know, they took care of it. They got it done. It's not over, obviously. They want to win a national championship. None of this is going to matter if they lose in the playoffs somewhere along the line. But what the reason this is so significant is because we've said all along, why haven't they won one yet? Why have they only got to Frisco the one time in the spring season? Because they never set themselves up the way they just did. They're going to be at home all the way through the playoffs, whether it's a one seed or a two seed. Um, that doesn't mean they're guaranteed anything, but if it doesn't happen this year, you can't say it was because they didn't do enough in the regular season. They finally did that. They had the best regular season they possibly could have. They had a really tough schedule. Think of the road games they won. Missouri State, who, yeah, they fell off a cliff, but at that point in the season, they were just coming off almost beating Arkansas, flying high, had more confidence in it, you know, biggest hype, great, biggest game in Missouri State history. Yep. You know, That was a big win. And then to go 
North Dakota State, North Dakota, Northern Iowa, three straight road games, all indoors, all really good teams. That's really impressive to do what they did. Yeah, and now they've sewn up the number one seed. I mean, they've sewn up the number one seed. They might get the t there's Sacramento State is undefeated overall because they won their FBS game. So there's a, a school of thought that they will get the number one seed, and maybe they will. And if you're the Jacks, mm. you might want them to because right now things are shaping up for North Dakota State to be the four. Well, I was gonna, but and I was thinking, well, it doesn't matter. It does, kind of. Do you want to play North Dakota State in the semifinals? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I'm saying it doesn't matter in the in the sense that you're going to be home either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to be home either way. I mean, you might have a slightly tougher road, but yeah. If, I just don't think the Jacks or Bison, frankly, want to play before Frisco. Mm. So what I think people are hoping is that Sacramento State will get the number one seed, and the Jacks will be the two. So they would potentially match up with Montana State in the semifinals, rematch of last year, except this year it'd be in Brookings. Brookings. And then North Dakota State would have to go to Sacramento for the semifinals. That's obviously if everyone kept winning all the way there. Yeah. Well, the part of me thinks this is a good question to ask Jackrabbit fans. You can tweet at us. Is would you would you rather play the Bison at home in Brookings in the semifinals out in the cold? Where they're not used to playing later in the year, mm. or would you rather play them in Frisco? I, I know I know the ultimate fun, the ultimate compelling story, is for, is playing them for a national championship. But wouldn't it fun to get them in a spot where the Jackrabbits have always had to go to in the playoffs three or four times over? I mean, it'd be on, fun on the either way, way. But no, I wouldn't want that, and I don't think the Bison want it either. We've been saying for five years, basically since I mean, I know James Madison just left this last year, but for the last four or five years, we've been saying okay, with all these programs that keep leaving, the Jacks and Bison are clearly the top two teams in the nation, even though the Jacks haven't always held up their end of the bargain on that. We've been waiting for an SDSU-NDSU national championship. We almost got one in 2017. We almost got one last year. We want it. We want to see it. And this year is probably the best chance ever to do it. Sure. If you put them in the same side of the bracket, you're not going to get it. You wonder, I wonder if some of the people on the committee won't just That's kind of do it intentionally. Well, but we don't know if the committee yeah. – there's always – you know, conspiracy theories about what the committee wants. Yeah. Do they want to break them up? Do they want to put them on the same side of the bracket so that they don't both make it to Frisco? Because you could see why they would. If someone's like, we're sick of the Dakotas, we're sick of the Missouri Valley, we want to, you know, make it not just a – we don't want the national championship to be a Missouri Valley thing. So put them on the same side of the bracket. Yeah. The other school of thought is we want – they're the two best programs. They are the cream of the crop in the FCS just right now. get the highest Let's ratings. make sure we get them yeah. on opposite sides of the bracket. Yeah. And plus, also – Sac State and Montana State are also conference rivals. So why would you do it that way? You mm. know, to make sure you don't have these two. I, I don't know. Jen, you've had that you're holding the microphone there. I was just gonna say, isn't Frisco like borderline home field advantage for the bison at this point? Like don't I mean, yes, but I think South Dakota State, when they made it in the spring season, which was geez, this pandemic was still going on, they impressed everyone, including themselves, including me, in how how well they traveled there. I think if uh I mean, traveled their asses off last like, That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think it would necessarily playoffs, yeah. be a, a green and gold party if, if it was Jax versus Bison. I think NDSU would, would probably outdraw them because it's, you know, a bigger fan base probably. This, but John, but, I mean, partly because I went to USC and partly because football, bleh, but I was actually really sad when they lost to Montana last year. Yeah. Like, that was, like, I was rooting for them. I really was. They were, they put up a hell of a fight. So I would actually really like them to, like, get to the championship, not just because Matt will get a free business trip to Texas and I could maybe tag along, but, um... Also, just because, I don't know, I'm kind of rooting for those kids. 
I like them. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you go on the road and watch all that thing and get that close to it, it's. Uh, you take a picture of a fan flipping them off. You feel like you're yeah. like you're like yeah. you have like a motherly feeling. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's, those are your guys now. Like yeah. That. Show some respect. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it would be fun. And by the way, NDSU kind of had to hang on at Southern Illinois. Is, yeah. is, and is that, I don't know, is that relevant to you? I don't know. I mean, they, they definitely look like they're quote-unquote down this year, but they're still going to end up 9-2, and two, assuming they beat North Dakota on Saturday. Um, they ha I mean, you remember the Jacks game. They were rolling in that first quarter. They were steamrolling the Jacks. And if it wasn't for Cam Miller's stupid penalty and then the trick play with the backup quarterback that was even stupider, the Bison would have won that game and we'd be having a totally different conversation right now. So they are, by all means, maybe they're not quite as dominant as some of the Bison teams of the past, but they are very, very capable of winning the yeah, National Right. It, well, they know what to do. I mean, I, you hate yeah. to say the proverbial light switch uh, flips on it. It does. Yeah, they, they get in a big game, and they, yep, turn in, absolutely. they turn into the Bison again. And who do they have? Who Do, do, they, do they have a bye as well this no, week? No, they play North Dakota at home. Okay. And uh, North Dakota's a good team. Yeah, and North Dakota, I think they're in the playoffs anyway, but it's not for sure. So they're definitely they have a lot to play for in this one. It's that rivalry game and everything, and I think the Bison are going to win. But yeah. like I said, North Dakota's good, and they got a lot to play for in that game. Right on. And then USD finishes their season with Northern Iowa at home. Okay. Wow. Well, I did want to get to the attendance thing at Dana J, but we could because it'll be interesting to know. A, how many people, how many USD fans show up for that? How we both said we thought they'd get twelve thousand, and they only got eight. Yeah, and yeah. I'm talking about USD on Saturday. But yeah, no, oh, but let's, yeah. but let's, we'll save that for a second. Yeah, um, well, yeah, you predicted eight, right? Wasn't that your no, prediction? No, I predicted twelve, and oh. they got eight. Okay, yeah. yeah. So what does that tell you? The people don't like sitting out in the cold. Yeah, you know, that's all I think there really is to it. Yeah, it's not quite that level of a program where fans are willing to do that because some are. Well, I'm I, guessing it gets that cold in Montana, and they've—I don't know—but they've been doing it for years and years yeah. and years. I mean, someone made a good point on Twitter to me, like in the Division Two era, if there was a game where it was that cold, <laughs> the only people that would go would be the players' parents. And that's true. Who wakes up on a day where it's 20 degrees out? So let's go sit outside and watch a football game that isn't, you know, a major college, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, right. you know, whatever, something. And I had some other people saying to me, like, geez, that's terrible that they can't, you know, this is South Dakota. We're supposed to be used to the cold. Yeah, we're used to the cold, but we're not used to sitting outside and watching football in it for four hours. For four hours, yeah. You know, it's we don't have a history of doing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Packers draw like that because they've been doing that since the 50s or whatever, you know. Right. Like, yes. Yeah, that's, something, that's, something, that's something that South Dakota football fans in general, let alone Jackrabbit fans, are going to have to learn. We do not have a history of being these hardy, tough people who sit outside in the cold. Just because we live in cold weather doesn't mean we have, you know, I, I, I sure as hell wouldn't go. Right. You know, I'm, I'll be the first to admit, I hate sitting out in the cold. I don't want to do it. Right. You know, if I can get a, someone can get me a seat in the press box or the luxury suite or something, sure. But otherwise, no thanks. Right. And these are all on TV now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I... Gro growing up, Nebraska, Lincoln, it's not that much warmer down there. We, we had our share of icy, shitty, sleety, horrible, uh -huh. Uh -huh. horrible weather games. And we just went because that's what you did. That is what Husker fans right. do. They sell out every game. And back in the day, of course, they and were that's a, how it a, is for the Packers a winning program. Other places. That's just what you Buffalo do. Bills, but, but I can tell you, it, it's still so, – you never get accustomed to it or yeah. like it. It's just like, well – this is what we got to do because we got to go to the game. But it is—I uh, mean, there were some bad days, and it takes a lot of—I mean, 
you have to either be a kid like I was, where you just, you know, yeah. I guess kids are tougher and they don't think about it as much, or you have to, you have to drink rumplement. You know, you have yeah. to drink a lot of alcohol. I, cov I covered warm. a USF playoff game back in the NAIA era when Bob Young Field had been built, but the the press box was not yet built yet. Yeah. Remember, they had like this wooden shed, was where you sat to watch the game, yeah. and it was there was no heat, nothing. Oh. And it was like five degrees and snowing, oh. and my computer was froze, so I couldn't even write. <laughs> and in the fourth quarter, I was like, I can't take this anymore. And I left. Yeah. I was covering this game. And I walked down to my pickup and <laughs> drove my pickup around to, like, the end zone because, again, there was nothing blocking the view there. Yeah. Parked my truck behind the goalpost, turned on the heater, turned on Tom Frederick, and listened to the entire fourth quarter of the game in the warmth of my truck. USF ended up winning the game, and as soon as the game got over, I popped out of my truck and went to the press conference. That's how you do it. And, I was, I, you know, part of me was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I, should, I was like, no, it's three <laughs> degrees outside. Like, I'm, I, you know, that's what I'm doing from now on if that happens. I don't think it ever happened again, but. You, you, you remind me of a baseball game in, not, in similar weather. I did call a high school baseball game when I was in Worthington, and it was in Laverne. I parked my car right behind home plate yep. and called the game from my car. Yep. <laughs> Don't was, blame you. Yeah, that's, what, that's why you have some of these schools, in, these smaller town schools in South Dakota, and even in Rapid City, the, uh, that little stadium that they have there yep. where they, the people just park their cars and honk the horns when you yep. score the title. So that, that's the South Dakota tradition. Show up, go ahead and show, go ahead and show up to the games and support your team. But for God's sake, sit in the warmth of your car and honk your horn when they yeah. score. Um, okay, and so it, it's not really. A, I guess it's not an indictment. It's it, it's just is it an indictment or is is, is it is what it is? Because we because we're gonna have two or three home playoff games, right? Two. Yeah, we're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get creative. They're gonna have to find a way to get people to come out to those games. Yeah, they're gonna be home for three of them if they keep winning. Yeah. What what, uh, what was the enthusiasm level of the eight thousand who were oh, there? Oh, it was great, and that's the oh, thing good. we always see that the fans who do show up are the yeah. ones who obviously are really invested. Yeah. And you know, and that that goes for everything. Like we used to. You know, back in the day, the Stampede used to, you know, they'd average 5,000 fans a game in the regular season. Then the playoffs, they'd only have 900 people there. But mm -hmm. they'd be louder because those are the people who actually yep. cared about Stampede hockey and wanted to watch them win. The same thing happens at, at, at every non you know, major league level. That's kind of what you see in postseason. You know, there was a time when the Sioux Falls Canaries briefly made the playoffs and the same, same stuff happened. happened. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. And, the, well, their playoffs started uh, – well, after school started, yeah. so that was uh, yeah. and and when high school football started, so they they clinched the title in 2008. I remember this wasn't working for the team, just was there. Uh, in fact, I know I remember this because I called a high school football game at Howard Wood Field, went next door and watched the end of the game, and they uh -huh. clinched. I mean, they were competing with high school football in their playoffs. So anyway. Um, all right. What's your sense? It's it's a weekly topic. If we do, yeah, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but what's your sense that th there's a chance? that Saturday, USD and um, Northern Iowa might be Bob Nielsen's last game as Coyotes coach. I think there's a good chance that it is. Okay. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying okay like, oh, good, I like yeah, Bob no, Nielsen. I'm I just know. saying, interesting, okay. I mean, it's, you know, I, he has one year left on his contract, I'm led to believe. Would they have announced an extension by now if that was the plan? Mm. I don't know. Um, they haven't had a good year. Um, attendance is not good. Uh, there's probably going to be nobody at this game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, now the the good the team has not quit on him. You know they won their most recent home game. They played all right against North Dakota last week. North Dakota never loses at home, and the Coyotes were in it the whole way. Um, now they got a home game. They've 
they have played well at home this year. So I would not be surprised if they came out and played hard and won that last game. Um, but whether or not that means, you know, Bob's going to get another chance, I don't know. Maybe it might be interesting to be there and notice the body language. Right. I love this stuff of Bob Nielsen. Um, because Does he know already? That, not, yeah. But like Mike Zimmer, I mean, Mike Zimmer and Bob Nielsen are different in that Bob's a lot more stoic, but they're both kind of gruff, older gentlemen yeah. that don't really get happy, touchy-feely. And, you know, Mike Zimmer famously last year, first time he'd ever done this, just sat there on a bench in the – in the Purple Palace well before the game started just to soak it all in, and the only conclusion a logical person could draw was this was it. He, he knew it was his last game. Probably his yeah. last game as an NFL head coach because he's 64 years old. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, will there be some signs from Bob in that game? And, and I, I love these things. It's always cool if they win. Uh, obviously, that means they will have played hard, which at the very least means they will have not given up on Bob. Right. If if not they played to for me, there's Bob. no evidence they have given up on Bob. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they play well, they win. They're going to lift Bob on their shoulders or something like that. Sure. There'll yeah. be a cool thing. I remember, I'm sorry for the Husker references, but when Frank Solich knew he was going to get fired, uh, the Huskers went out and beat Colorado. Huge rival, big game. It was close, and Frankie got carried off the field. That was a pretty – can't go out a champion. That's a right. good way to go out. You're, right. You win and your players love you. What's up, Jen? Oh, I was just going to ask, is Bob still calling the plays? Like, just, they don't have an offensive coordinator right now, Correct. right? So he's yes, – how's he's, that going? Is he – I mean, the offense has struggled this year, but, you know, there's a variety of reasons sure. for that. When they brought in the new quarterback, things got better. Mm -hmm. um, you know – Bob's hands were tied by some things that happened right, off right. the field, and yeah. I hope that is that doesn't play into, you know, him being fired that he right. the offense didn't do awesome when he took over because he's he doing really the best he could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he handled some circumstances. Uh, so that leads us into from USD to USF because we'll we'll know why Bob's not around anymore. Simply just not quite wins and losses, and plus attendance matters. Fans do vote with their with their uh -huh. their behinds, and if they're not in the seats, it's uh, it's, it's going to be tough sledding for you as a coach who's been there for multiple years. But with USF, um, I, you know what what is there to say? John Anderson was forty and seventeen. What was it? Five seasons he was there. Five seasons, six years, because they didn't play in twenty twenty. Right, averaged eight wins a year on the nose. This feels like a Bo Pelini situation, and that's what a lot of references were yesterday. Who do they think they are, Nebraska? And you you have to figure. It's you have to figure there might be something more to it, and um, you know we're we're probably not going to unload our complete knowledge or our full opinions. For me, I I am still occasionally employed by USF's athletic department, so I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. And I don't know as much as you probably do, or some people listening to the podcast. It was a surprise, but maybe it wasn't. And the only explanation I had for people was all I know about USF season this year is that they. Shot to number 11. They won their first six or seven games. They lost three in a row. And in one of those games, there was uh, there was a lot of commotion. There were some sideline eruptions. They got some personal foul calls. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were right there. Zach Borg was right there. He got the video of it and, mm -hmm. and reported on the news. And Anderson said on his postgame show, that was that was embarrassing. I'm, embar I'm embarrassed for these guys. To me, I'm, I thought, can, can this one instance, can this one thing take him down? And who's making the decision here? because it, it, I don't think USF's the kind of program that would just fire a guy because he's not making the playoffs enough or he's not winning national yeah. titles like they used to. Well, Pam Gole said on JT's show yesterday that there was more to it than wins and losses. Um, the press release they sent out said that after conversations with Coach Anderson, we decided this was the best thing to do. Um, 
you know, the record is obviously very good, 40-17, and 17, and I think John overachieved in some ways. I mean, he took over a program that, yeah, they had just won the conference under Jed Stugard and been a threat to win the national championship, but, you know, he took the whole, a lot of his staff with him. So many great players graduated. John comes in, you're kind of like, oh, he's got to rebuild it. Can he even keep the streak going of consecutive winning seasons? And he goes 9-2 and two and goes to the playoffs, yep. you know, and took him to the playoffs again. Now, each of the last two years, they lost close games that cost them a playoff spot. They probably should have been in the playoffs each of the last two years. And I know there's USF fans that are like, 8-3 is not good enough. We're supposed to be in the playoffs every year. But you know what? You're not in NAIA anymore. This is a good Division Two league. Um, to go 8-3 and three every year, that's not something – you're a Husker fan. You know exactly what I'm talking about here. You, you start thinking 8-3 and three is not good enough, and you fire someone who's taking you to 8-3, and 9-2 and two every year. What if the next guy comes in and all of a sudden you're 4-7 and seven every year? Uh, but, no, it isn't just wins and losses. I do think what happened in the Wayne State game was embarrassing, and, and I think it gave the program a little bit of a black eye. There's clearly an implication – I think from coming from administration that they just don't like the way John's running the program. That's their prerogative, I guess. Um, I really like John Anderson. Yeah, I, me too. I consider him a friend of mine. He's a good guy. Uh, I've known him forever. Um, and I know that he bleeds purple, man. He's heartbroken today. Yep. And I'm not saying that means that he just automatically gets to keep his job as long as he wants it or whatever, but, um, it pissed me off that their press release said that he was stepping down. John Anderson would not step down. Yeah, that's Just have the me balls too. to come out and say you fired him. And uh, I even heard, too, that I don't know this for a fact, but I heard that he wasn't allowed to uh, speak to the team after the decision was made. Now, there's other factors that go into that that I understand, but I just, you know, it just sucks. Uh, I, know, I know there's people in and out of the program that don't like John as much as I do, and that's fine. And it isn't about... All, you know, just that. Again, not necessarily being as successful as they wanted to be, get, not getting to the playoffs, the culture of the program maybe not being what they wanted it to be. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Um, but be careful because this is a guy who goes all the way back to Bob Young. He was an assistant under Bob. Mm -hmm. Then he was an assistant under Kalen. Then when Kalen left, he stuck around and – Jed came in and could have got rid of everybody. Not only did Jed keep him, uh, he eventually promoted him to defensive coordinator because Jed, you might remember, brought in his own D coordinator, Robert Tucker, and after a while decided, no, this isn't working, wow. and got rid of Robert Tucker and made John Anderson the DC. Mm. Um, so he's <laughs> John's been a big, big part of this program for a long time. No, he was, so, a per he was a perfect fit. It felt like a home run higher, even though his record wasn't sensational at West Virginia State, which yeah, apparently was, different was a ter ter terribly tough place to coach. And um, and anyway, it, and it, yeah, it it, for the most part, on-field performance-wise, it turned out roses. They make the playoffs every year? No. They're really hard to make, though. You can't lose more than two games. Yeah. Uh, those are hard playoffs to make, and th they were model consistency. I mean, they just... Uh, he kept everything that was the essence of that program from a performance standpoint. Uh, it, it, <laughs> right, right, like just he just yeah. kept stacking these things up. Winner, the whole I know you hate the slogan, but the winners win thing, yeah. which means they find a but way also, to win. Another, That's just what another, they do. But another good way to have a sense of a coaching staff is talking to the high school coaches, you know, and the high school players. And I never heard anyone say a bad word about John. Yeah, I always got the impression. The high school coaches liked him, respected him. They felt good about sending their kids to play for him. Um, 
and you know to me that matters to me that says a lot yeah now if you know based on what we saw in that Wayne State game maybe John should have taken more control of that program maybe he should have instilled more discipline and you know what maybe if they gave him another year maybe that would have happened you know maybe John recognized after that game that hey I, I gotta maybe make some changes in how I run this program so that's unfortunate that it played out that way um Frankly, there's some players on that roster that I hope feel kind of shitty right now because their behavior in that game helped cost their coach his job. Do you feel like that's the one and only example or the final, or some sort of final straw? I think it was a little closer to a final straw. I know there were, you know, other, I don't want to say incidents because I'm not even, I don't even cover their games. Um, but I had heard that this was something that had been a concern before that. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say, and I'm probably not the best guy to to comment on it either. Because as I've talked about on this podcast before, I don't like hearing this shit about like, oh, it's a dirty program or guys like this. Like it's football, you know, acting like it's you know, golf or something. Like there's there's totally different cultures there, and there can always be a difference of opinion in how people run those programs. I have people from NDSU and USD constantly telling me what a dirty program John Stigelmeyer runs, and <laughs> I don't and I don't want to hear it. You yeah. know, people yeah. saying the same thing about USF, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. Now, what, what we saw against Wayne State was ugly, and John was the first one to say it embarrassed him and it was unacceptable. If it yeah. cost him his job, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I, at least he took some – at least he took enough time to swallow his pride and and just say that. Some coaches don't – some coaches don't do that. He, yeah. he owned up to it, whether that was going to burn him or not later, because then – you know, if you're speaking on behalf of your program and you're calling it embarrassing, then it is embarrassing. But I, I think that was good that he acknowledged it. And by the way, and, and from my perspective, again, I, I, I cover them and know them even less than you do. He's always, he's, my, my, my kid was recruited a little bit by him. Not, just nothing but a great – all I've known John Anderson to be is a salt-of-the-earth guy. I don't, I don't see day in, day out, or game in, game out how he runs his program, but it's always appeared they're winning and he's a solid dude. So um, – and his, I, you know, I'm not going to read through his entire tweet, but his tweet, his tweet today was, um, you know, his full statement tweet was very interesting. He outlined, he not, he outlined not only uh, that he's incredibly saddened, that was in the first line of the tweet, um, but you know, just how much basically he uh, ate and lived and ate and breathed uh, with all his heart and soul at USF football, and then he, he made sure to, uh, you know, mention his. Accomplishments, 40-17, and 17, two NCAA playoff berths, the South Division Championship last year, 28-winning um, season streak, uh, four, beat Augie four times out of five. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are all things that – those are and, you know, graduated over 90% of his student athletes, two former players starting in the NFL. And, uh, and he also made sure to mention, I want it to be known every day I woke up and gave my absolute best to the team at the sacrifice of my family. I have engaged in no major NCAA violations nor misconduct, which I thought was interesting. He wanted to make sure he pointed that out because, you know, he wanted to just put that to bed, yeah. whatever that must well, have been. Well, I don't think he'll have trouble finding another job. You know, whether, Ed, whether or not it'll be a head coach job, I don't know. But the guy's record speaks for itself, and he's got <laughs> – He's got people like Kalen DeBoer who will go to bat for him. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that speaks for itself. Any, any, any big basketball news or observations? Somebody was asking about Paige Meyer in the tweets. Yeah, I think someone asked if she's going to be ready for the South Carolina game. I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. When is the South Carolina game? December 15th. December 15th. Yeah. At South Women beat Mississippi State last night. That was a nice win. Drew say. Gilton looked really good. So um, they're off to a good start. Men play St. Bonnie's tonight. 
in Sioux Falls, so I'm going to that game. Um, I'm hearing that Luke Apple might be uh, seriously injured. He hasn't played yet, and if he is indeed seriously injured, that's a problem for a team that already lost Baylor Shireman and Doug Wilson. Mm. <coughs> okay. I was just going to ask if we can gossip about Baylor Shireman's I, season, like once that gets kicked off and create, like, can <laughs> there be a future episode where, like, we gossip about that? Like, they've they've played. He's off to a good start for Creighton. Is he crushing it? He's doing well, yes. As expected. They're, they're, I mean, they're supposedly a Final Four sleeper this year. I mean, it, there's never been, for a program that already gets plenty of hype, they're... He's mm -hmm. doing pretty much the same stuff with Creighton that he was doing at SDSU. Listen, the player. only thing I get excited about in sports is March Madness, so okay. that's a good tip. Thank you for that, John. Please keep me posted on whether or not Creighton continues to be a potential Final Four sleeper because my bracket sucks every year. <laughs> every year. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Anything else? We've said it all. We've done it all. Congratulations to the Jefferson Cavaliers and the Pier Governors. Lincoln Keenholz is incredible. Gosh. Yes, he is. Okay. That's it. We're done. We're done. Another great finish, John. Good job. Yes. <laughs> See ya. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Does he know how Yes. Yeah.